finish up our look at Psalm 5, we're going to learn about mercy and grace, something we all receive every day and should probably be a lot better at showing to others. Here's Pastor David. So David, in this prayer, he goes on and describes the wicked, and he says, this is verses 9 and 10. For there is no faithfulness in their mouth. Their inward part is destruction. Their throat is an open tomb. They flatter with their tongue. Pronounce them guilty, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Cast them out in the multitude of their transgressions, for they have rebelled against you. David describes these people, and then he calls for God's justice on them. I think we have a hard time with this somewhat, or understanding this. I know that for me, it's difficult to get my mind around until I understand it correctly, because it doesn't seem like David's being very merciful for someone who had a lot of mercy given to him. He's asking God to cast these people out and to let them fall, and we generally don't wish this kind of punishment on our enemies. Now, of course, keep in mind through this section of what we're talking about here, that's not why he's doing it. He's asking for God's justice because he needs protection to continue to do God's plan. Okay? But this is how we're supposed to look at our enemies. Look, at Jesus tells us this. This is Matthew 5, 43 through 48. We studied this some time back. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Easy, right? Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. We're to love our enemies. We're to do good to those who hate us. But here's the deal. Not because they're our enemies, not because they hate us, like, oh, those are the people to be nice to, like there's some sort of backwards thing there. We love our enemies and do good to those who hate us because we are to love them so we can be like God, who we're following. To be like our Father in heaven, to be like his only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. That's why we love our enemies. Why? Because that's what God has done for his enemies. He has loved them. That's what God has done for me. If you're a Christ follower, that's what God has done for you. And he's done it for you if you want to become one. God loved his enemies. He loved them. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Didn't wait till everybody came around. Like, all right, as soon as you're good enough, as soon as you're good enough, I'll do the rest. That's not what happened. While we were still sinners, it says this in Colossians 1, 21 through 23. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. We were sinners, enemies, and Jesus died for us. Not after we came to him, but before. Before we did. While we were still his enemies, while we were still sinners, Jesus showed us this kind of love. And so we also must what? Love our enemies. To be like him. To show the kind of grace that he's shown us. It doesn't mean that the people aren't your enemies. It's not what he said. He didn't say you don't have any enemies. 
He said, love them. He didn't say nobody hates you. He said, love them. And it doesn't mean that God won't bring judgment. You do probably have enemies. There are people who hate Christ and his church, and God will judge them. If they don't turn from their sin, if they don't repent and come to him, they will receive judgment. He's very clear about that. I don't think David is a person here who has no mercy. I think he's asking God for justice because God's justice is good, and we should desire it. It doesn't mean that David would not prefer that these people would repent. I think that would be his preference. It doesn't mean that David doesn't want these people to turn to God and live in God's righteousness and experience the same mercy that David got, that he experienced. I think he'd rather have that. But if they will not turn, then David wants to see God bring justice. And specifically here, David is looking to God for protection. These people weren't about to turn. They were about to harm David and harm what God had called David to do. So he's praying this for them. And it's okay to pray for God's protection against your enemies, that, he, that, that we might pray the same kinds of things. Lord, their plans that they're making, let them fall into their own trap. That's okay. But also at the same time, we want to pray for their salvation. We want to remember who we are. Sometimes we can be the other way. Sometimes we can be unmerciful. We can demand justice for ourselves when we have been shown a lot of mercy, and yet we want justice for someone else. It's not difficult to get in this mindset, if you're wondering. Just wait till the next time you're slightly offended. Wait till the next time someone cuts you off on the road, and your first thought isn't, they're probably having a bad day. I love them. Let me pray for them right now. <laughs> Let me pull over and slow down even more and just spend some time thinking about that person. Mm. Next time somebody says something behind your back. Are you merciful? Do you understand the mercy you have received? It's a story you can find in Matthew chapter 18. This is verses 21 through 25. It says this. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Which is a lot, by the way. Jesus said to him, I did not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents, billions of dollars in our money, billions. Okay, so this guy owes this king billions. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and him payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt, billions of dollars. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, less than 15 grand. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not. But he went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you does not, for each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. 
we need to remember who we were before God saved us in Jesus Christ. You can't forget that because that's the glory of the gospel. Who we were and who we are. We can't forget it. We are debtors of an impossible debt that was forgiven. We could never have done enough to deserve God's favor to pay off that debt any more than you could pay billions of dollars off right now. And if you're in a position to do that, please tie it today. <laughs> we could use it. But you're probably not. And we probably never will be. And certainly when it comes to God and our debt there, there's nothing we could ever do to pass the test. We didn't earn our inheritance in the kingdom of God. It was given to us as a free gift of grace. It was given to us. God showed us mercy and it wasn't free. It cost him dearly. Jesus Christ died for us. We have to stay humble. We have to constantly remember what God has done for us. We need to be like the tax collector in this next parable. This is from Luke 18, 9 through 14. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted themselves, that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. He's calling the other guy out right in front of everybody. It's rough. I fast twice a week. Uh, you have your reward. <laughs> I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." a broken and contrite heart, right? That's where we're supposed to be. We can read David's prayer in Psalm 5 and we can pray the same prayer, that God would bring justice on those who will not turn to him and that God would protect us from our enemies. But in all of that, remember who you were. You were God's enemy. Some of you here today, some of you listening online or some that may listen later, still are. God's enemies, enemies, rebels, people who deserve the justice of God, punishment for sin and separation from God, something that we all deserve. If that's you, if you're going your own way, if you are justifying your sin and creating your own righteousness, you found a way to be able to continue to do the things you're doing that go against everything that God has written, that go against everything that people who love the Lord would tell you and plead with you not to do, but you have justified it and you have your own kind of righteousness, let me just tell you, stop. It's filthy rags. It's filthy rags. It will not get you into the kingdom of heaven. Only one thing will. Jesus did not sacrifice himself on the cross for you because you were pretty much okay. Because you were doing all right, but maybe you just need a little something more. That's not why he sacrificed himself on the cross. Not because you weren't much worse than the next guy or the next girl. He died for you because he loves you, even though you have been his enemy. Give up your pride and call on the name of the Lord to be saved. The scriptures tell us truly, this is Romans 10, 9 through 13. If you don't know Jesus, listen to this very carefully, please. 
that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him, I will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For those of us who are in Christ, we know what a blessing that is. There's nothing like going from death to life. In the worst times, and and just let me tell you, I have suffered through really difficult things just like you have. But in the worst of those times, to be able to hold on to my salvation, knowing who I was and what he's done, and that I've called on the name of the Lord and that he saved me. If you don't have that, you need it. Don't let Satan convince you otherwise. Don't let yourself convince you otherwise, and certainly don't let the world, which is nonsensical, convince you otherwise. You need Jesus. You need to be saved. Our hearts need to be broken before God. Those of us who are Christ followers, let's remember what we are saved from, because it is the glory of God that he has saved us. We make much of the name of Jesus Christ because of our salvation. Those who have not had a broken and contrite heart, who have not mourned over their sin, turned to God and had it taken away. If you haven't grieved over your lifestyle and over your sin and received forgiveness and salvation, the time is now. I cannot promise you tomorrow. That's the fact. The Lord is coming back. I hope now. But I want to wait. And he's waiting that everyone who's going to come would come. The time is now. Please do not wait any longer. You can go from being God's enemy to being his friend. You can go from being God's enemy to being his son or his daughter. Stay right now. Everything can change. He will change your heart. Some of us need to be saved today. Some of us We are saved, and we need to look to God for strength and protection. That's me. I need it. I can't do this. I can't do anything without him. He has shown me that over and over, how I've proved him or and or. I sure have not proved me or and or. I don't even know what or means, but I think over. (laughs) Some of us need to look to God for strength and protection. Some of us need to cry out in our hearts, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. We need to feel the embrace of God, of Jesus saying, I've paid for it. It's gone. Whatever it is this morning, don't wait. Let's pray. Father, I just pray that you'd be with us. God, your servant David, boy, what a mess he was in so many ways. And you've let us see his life that we might see that our own lives, our own mess, that we've created also, you will have mercy for us if we'll just ask for it. Lord, those of us who are in you, who once were your enemies, I thank you, God, that you saved us, that you don't look at my sin, whatever it is, that I don't have to come in here and be ashamed. Every day, new every morning are your graces, your mercies. Great is your faithfulness. You're faithful to me. 
to every Christ follower, Lord. And you will be faithful to those who your Holy Spirit has been drawing, whether they're online, whether they're in this room, whether they'll listen later, Lord, you're drawing them to yourself. Let everything else disappear except you and them as you draw them that they might call on your name, Lord, and be saved. That they might make you King of kings and Lord of lords in their life. That we might ask for your righteousness that you might lead us. Lord, we love you. Go with us today. We're waiting for your orders as we walk forward, ministering to others. Lord, we want to break down the gates of hell that you might set the captives free. Lord, I pray you would do that this morning. In your name, amen. So do you need to receive God's mercy and grace? Have you been an enemy of God and need a Savior like Pastor David talked about today? If so, simply ask Jesus right now to forgive your sins and be your Lord and Savior, and He really will. And if you still have questions or just need help figuring all this out, call us at 360-885-9000. We'd love to help you find life. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll be with us again next time for more great Bible teaching with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.